Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I wanted to have this up much earlier. You see, it's afternoon now. But the uh, final proofs for Dogpile came in yesterday. And, of course, every day matters because of the supply chain being so incredibly slow. So I stayed up to about 4 in the morning to finish all the proofs, sent all the corrections in. There's always stuff you find when you go back through it. And, and let me just say this. Despite the fact this book has been edited and edited and edited, I'm sure that I missed something. It's just part of the deal. But a lot of people involved in this process to ensure that it's as close to perfect as possible. And so if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. That's D-A-W-G, the book, dogpile, D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E, thebook.com. Sorry for the convoluted answer there. And you can pre-order the book to guarantee you get one before Christmas. Now, we're going to do some, uh, some baseball game day signings. Probably not going to have time to do any football game day signings. I mean, I would love to be able to have some here for the Egg Bowl. But uh, I, I just – I'm not optimistic about pulling all that together. I'll be on the road extensively uh, during the holiday season. Of course, I won't leave you guys behind. I mean, I'll still do, do these shows for you. And, of course, we'll have our content over at Gene's page. But uh, month of December will be exceptionally busy. We'll get those pre-orders out to you soon. It, uh, it's one of those things, too, is once the book goes off to print, which is what will happen next. And let me give you just a little bit of background. I don't want to belabor the point too long. I know you guys want to talk some football. But, um, so, you know, you, you write in Microsoft Word and you do all this great stuff. And there's so many great programs out there. You know, you can use Grammarly and, of course, the AP style book to make sure that everything is correct. And, and then after you do all that, there's some changes that happen. Sometimes they'll change a word or two, and it almost changes the complexion of a paragraph. So you got to go back and check all that stuff. And then it goes off to layout, and then they make a book out of it. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you, you're working off a Microsoft Word doc. Well, then they convert it to book format. Then they send it back, and sometimes things can look a little silly or whatever. But, but you go back and read everything again. That's what I did yesterday spent the day and night kind of working through that because there are things you see too with fresh eyes you know what i'm saying like if you write something a month ago the day you write it if you're the person that made the mistake chances are you're going to miss the mistake you go back a couple weeks later and you find a few things go back a month later with fresh eyes and you see some things that perhaps you missed because a lot of times in your mind it still reads correctly the first time through so did all that yesterday found a few things here and there a few homonyms you know that some quotations out of place or perhaps a you know an apostrophe that should go before an s rather than before an s it's just a lot of that that goes on it's a little nitpicky stuff and you say well it doesn't change the tenor of the book but you still want it to be correct i also found a couple things too some mistakes that i would made uh, with some numerical values and that kind of stuff and so you gotta go back and double check all that stuff and so and again despite my best efforts i guarantee you i missed something i guarantee it that's the beauty of the first edition right so Appreciate everybody's support. We've sold, um, I guess, over a thousand books now, uh, pre-sold. Now we, that's going to grow over the course of the next couple of months. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I got plenty of time." Y- you do, but let me tell you this: what's going to happen is when the publisher gets ready to submit the print order, and because of the fact that you know that the supply chain is running, it's taken about twice as long to get a book printed than it did the other four. Probably twice as long, and so. Here's what's going to happen. There's no way we're going to be able to get two pressings between now and Christmas. It's, it's, not, it's absolutely not going to happen. So the first order that comes out for the publisher is going to cover all of your pre-orders, the pre-orders of the bookstore, and then a little bit of backstock. We expect to uh, come up 
you know, really close to exhausting that backstop before Christmas. So in order to make sure that you get a book or multiple books for the Bulldogs in your life, you need to pre-order. I'm saying that as your friend because I love you, and I want to make sure that you have these books for Christmas because here's what's going to happen. Ladies, listen to me. Do not procrastinate when it comes to this. You can wait and buy your, uh, your eggnog and all your mistletoe and all that stuff whenever you want to. But if you are trying to buy your husband and or son or daughter or father-in-law or whoever uh, personalized or signed copy of Dogpile, do not procrastinate. Because I can't guarantee you, you know, a couple weeks before Christmas that they're going to have them in stores. I, I can't. I can't guarantee that. But in order to make sure you get one, you pre-order, you're guaranteed to get a book. So again dogpilethebook.com and I'm going to take myself to lunch today to celebrate putting another book to bed because I am completely done now completely finished everything has been submitted I tell people all the time I meet with a lot of aspiring young writers and sometimes old writers or middle-aged writers or whatever and there are a lot of people that want to write a book and uh, I've written five now, and uh, I, I can tell you I learned something, number one, about myself, but also, two about the book writing process every single time. And you'd like to think that you learn that kind of stuff as you go. But, um, but here's the deal. It's a lot of fun to plan a book. It's a lot of fun to outline a book. It's a lot of fun to write a book. It's not a lot of fun to finish a book. Because you got to think, I mean, I have to remind myself, I just got done writing this thing last month. But it seems like forever ago. And then there's all of this other stuff that's involved in the process. There's, you know, there's layout and there's edit notes and there's rewrites and there's corrections and you know, fact checking and all that sort of stuff. There's just so much to this process that's not a lot of fun in the end. Now, we'll get the book printed. It'll be a lot of fun. I'll get out and you know, sign books and see your smiling faces. And I'll get all these great pictures on Christmas Day of people that got their book. And that means a lot to me. It really does. That, that never gets old. Ever. And, and for, you know... The last few Christmases, there have been a lot of people who have gotten my books, and it means a lot to me. It really does. I said it from the bottom of my heart. One of the fun things, too, about that, too, and we'll, we'll kind of take a little bit of a joke here. One of the fun things for me is uh, when I'm out at book signings, I'll be at, you know, Mistletoe Marketplace or, or Celebration Station, and, uh, you know, some old Miss wife or daughter will buy Flim Flam just because it has Flim Flam on it, and they think it's, uh, you know, it's a book about old Miss, but I don't think it's the one they want, and... Uh, they buy that, you know, for their dad or husband or whatever for Christmas. And I can only just kind of laugh to myself as I guess in some ways I'm kind of the Grinch that steals Christmas. You know, they open up that book and they're all like, they open the package. They're like, oh, what is this? And that's, it's Flim Flam. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry, Merry Christmas. But no, you guys are great. And uh, I love getting those pictures on, on uh, Christmas morning. It's kind of like a secondary Christmas. You know what I mean? Like I have that great time with my family. And then when I get a chance to kind of plug back into social media, it's fun to know that my work is part of your Christmas celebration. And so I do take that um, to heart. It's never anything that gets old hat for me. There's, I don't know how long this is going to last. It's one thing I've learned about life, you know, and maybe through my life of recovery. But, you know, the only thing constant in life is change. So I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how long they'll continue to publish my books. And contrary to popular belief, I've only self-published one. That's a book of poetry. You can find that on Amazon or Books of Megan, BarnesandNoble.com. It's Blooms of Oleander. Still doing really well. Thank you very much for all your support. But I don't know. I mean, you go through these phases in life. You know, for 10 years there, I did, uh, you know, multiple football combines around the state. And I thought I'd probably always do that. And then I kind of reached the point I didn't want to do that anymore. So I don't do that anymore. There was a time I coached high school baseball. And I thought, you know, this is great. 
probably did this for a long time, did it for four years and decided, you know what, I want to go watch my kid play college ball, so I don't coach anymore. Used to coach youth soccer. Probably have coached youth soccer, I, th- I think, about 15 years of my life. Thought, you know what, and, and you know one day when I get all these kids out of the house, I'll probably go coach soccer again. Probably pick up a travel team somewhere just because I love the game. But you never know. You, know you, you think you've got life figured out, and sometimes life throws you curveballs. You know, and you've got to be able to adjust. And so I've learned to just kind of enjoy every phase of life. I've done my best in every respect to try to get as much value and happiness out of this life as I possibly can. Because I still feel like I'm living on borrowed time. But, uh, but I enjoy this. I enjoy writing the Mississippi State story. When I, when, I, when I first moved to Starkville back in 14, a lot of people said, well, what are you going to do now that you're here? I said, I'm going to write the Mississippi State story. I'm going to write it on Gene's page, but I want to write books. I want to do the historical stuff. I want to be able to tell our story because we have been so unfairly represented in Mississippi's literary heritage. I want to tell our story. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of sitting around waiting to get discovered, I guess. And eventually, Paul Brown reaches out to me and says, hey, got some funding and some ideas for this book if you want to write it. And Flim Flam was born. And then Flim Flam sold really, really well, contrary to popular belief. They wanted me to write a sequel to Flim Flam. My heart just wasn't I started to write it, and my heart just wasn't in it. And so I wrote Stark Villains. And it was so much fun. Like being able to talk to all these former players about their experiences and all these big games that I was interested in. A lot of my childhood heroes had a chance to interview John Bond. I know John, and uh, John takes my call, answers my text. But when I was a kid, John Bond was my hero. I had the opportunity to, to write about him winning and losing Egg Bowls. It's a privilege. It really is. Then, of course, Dark Villains did so well. They said, hey, let's let's – capitalize on this and write a, a sequel so i did wrote alpha dogs that was my quarantine project and it was fun it was a blast and again seven baseball stories in there mitch moreland uh, ted milton jake mangum rafael palmero you know 12 year old me would be awfully impressed but i don't again i don't know how long all this is gonna last so i'm gonna appreciate every single day and so when i was going through that book yesterday I'm reading through this. I'm like, man, this is actually really good, which is progress for me because I'm usually such a critical thinker about my own work. I, I make mistakes. You know, I, sometimes, sometimes, too, I'll pull up an old article on Gene's page as a reference, and I'll find a mistake I made, and I'll go fix it, maybe eight or nine, ten years old, knowing nobody else is ever going to see it, but it matters to me. But I worked through all that stuff, and I was like, you know, I want this book to be as close to perfect as it can be. This book's important to a lot of people. I mean, this is a keepsake. This isn't just like, you know, you read a good story and you pass this book along to a friend. I mean, this is a book you keep. This is a book you put up on your, your mantle, your bookshelf. Lay it on your coffee table. Going to have color pictures, too, just so you guys know. Never done that before. That's one of the reasons the book's a couple dollars more expensive. It's also the longest book that I've written. I think they told me yesterday it's 328 pages. So usually I come in around 300 pages. So you're getting basically, you know, a couple of extra chapters in this deal. The chapters are only 24 chapters plus an epilogue. But, you know, when I wrote Flim Flam, a lot of those chapters were around 2,500. I don't think there's any of these less than 3,000. And there are a couple of them that are five and 6,000 words. I mean, there's a lot of words in this thing. It's been, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to write this thing. 
And I can't wait for you guys to hold it in your hands and be able to give it to your friends and family and see uh, the smiles on their faces. Because we're in this thing together. I just happen to be fortunate enough to be in the position to write the story. It's our story. It's my name on the book. But it's our story, and that's our experience. And I want to thank John Cohen and Chris Lamonis, Coach Ron Polk, Brandon Langlois, everybody involved Mississippi State Sports, Athletics for their assistance, their cooperation, getting this thing done. I worked really hard on this because I wanted to make sure we got it out in time for Christmas. And, um, and so that looks to be the case. So, um, you know, we'll have that for you here very, very soon. And the sooner the better. And I'll sleep really good tonight. Not just because I was up to four in the morning, but also, too, I mean, it's just that feeling of accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? And we got to get on the road to Memphis. Looking forward to that. We'll talk a little more about the game and uh, about what's coming up in the SEC in the next segment of the show. Our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, I had lunch there, I mean, had dinner there earlier this week. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and you will too. When I asked my youngest kid, who's the only one at home now, I'm almost an empty nester. And uh, what do you want, Bulldog Burger? Hey, do you want no Bulldog Burger? Hey, I was thinking that Bulldog, Bulldog Burger. What do you want? I don't know. Just give me a Bulldog Burger. What, 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 what do you – Anything. Whatever, just give me whatever. Give me what I like. And that's the great thing about a place like Bulldog Burger Company is I know that there's a lot to choose from there, whether it be the sweet heat chicken sandwich or those great restaurant-quality hamburgers. If you're like me, I like to experiment a little bit. I do love the pimentology at bacon. I had that earlier this week. Uh, the kid, sometimes he'll go with the Bulldog. Other times he gets a smokehouse. He's big on the Bryant. I think you kind of go through phases. You know what I'm saying? So find your own favorites, satisfy your own hunger, as well as your kids, because I can promise you, like it, all of my friends that have killed kids always tell me Bulldog Burger is their favorite place to go, and rightfully so. Three great locations to serve you right here on University Drive and start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. Go by and see them. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. Apparently, my last show hurt some Memphis Tiger fans' feelings, and I, I, I really don't know what I said that was so offensive. I mean, there's somebody didn't care for the comment about Southern Miss. Memphis and Southern Miss are comparable. Memphis has had more success in recent years, but as far as the level of talent, you're comparable. And I'm sorry if that's a harsh reality. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way. But, you know, teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss shouldn't lose to Memphis and Southern Miss. Now, sometimes we do, but we shouldn't. You know, usually it's when, you know, Memphis or Southern Miss has a really, really good team and maybe we're not quite as strong, but, you know, it happens. You know, Memphis beat that 2015 uh, Ole Miss Sugar Bowl team. You know, so it happens. And so, I mean, I'm in no way, you know, throwing shade at the University of Memphis or Coach Silverfield, anybody up there. You know, we got some – you know, I'm a Starkville High School parent. You know, we got some jackets on that roster. You know, Rodriguez Clark is up there, Joel Clemens. I wish those guys the absolute best, man. Absolutely. Now, I don't want them to win this weekend, but I want them to have you know a big year, big career, meet their wives, get their college degree, go on and have a great life. I don't have any burr in a saddle about Memphis by any stretch of imagination, but I do expect State to win the ballgame. I do think weather will be a bit of a factor tomorrow, though. It's going to be a factor kind of all, all across the area uh, you know, starting you know Saturday afternoon. And so we'll see how that, you know, that kind of affects the game. I think it might keep the score down a little bit. I, I do. I really do. I think it'll keep the score down some. And, again, Seth Hennigan done a great job for Memphis so far. 
He will see a defense unlike anything that he has seen so far this year. How will he react? You know, I think Zach Arnett is really good at disguising coverages and blitzes and kind of making quarterbacks hang on to the football. And so I do expect to get there and into the, into the backfield make some sacks. Now, the flip side of that, too, is, is that this Memphis offense is the most prolific thing that we have seen this year, too. I mean, they're, they're among the top ten in most statistical categories nationally. It's a team that scored a lot of points, put up a lot of yards. It's no fluke. These guys know what to do offensively. Now, what does that mean, you know, when the defensive players are bigger, faster, and stronger than what you're used to? So we'll see. But somebody shared a post on Gene's page from our Memphis 247 side. And, again, I I got no problem with opinions. I mean, I've got alligator skin. He said, oh, it's a power five bias. It's got nothing to do with having a power five bias. It doesn't. But here's the reality. The reason you remember when a G5 team beats a power five team is because it's not supposed to happen. It does happen on occasion. It may happen tomorrow. I don't expect it. But Memphis is certainly capable of beating Mississippi State, especially if State goes out there and doesn't play well. You know, what, what I, I think our defensive unit continues to improve. I think you saw that last week. But it was just enough plays, you know, in the first and fourth quarters to kind of get you, you know, get your attention a little bit. You had some teachable moments. You give up ten points in that ball game, And one of them really is due to a bust in coverage. You know, and, and I give Arnett a lot of credit too. I don't know that I've ever been around a coach like Zach that when people bring up plays – the first thing he says, well, it was a bad call. It was a bad call. It was a bad call. I should, I got I to do a better job. Put us in the right defense. Not a lot of coaches do that. Now, you know as well as I do, he's protecting his players there because sometimes there is a bust in coverage. But I like it. I like the fact that Arnett's kind of a player's coach because he holds those guys accountable now. And you, if you, most of you have never been to practice. That's an intense joker in practice, and he will, he will get after them now. And I'm not saying getting after him you know, in a disrespectful way, but he gets their attention. He coaches them. And the, but yet, when we get in the media, one of his guys uh, has a bust on a play. What does he say? Hey, it's my fault. Should have called a different defense. Whether that's true or not, I respect it. I think Zach Arnett will have a good game plan together against the University of Memphis. I think they will go out and look for a way to, uh, to try to confuse the young freshman quarterback at Memphis, who is extremely talented. But he hadn't seen anything like this before. You never know where the pressure's coming from. There are times that we'll show man coverage, and then we, and you get your pre-snap breed, we're actually in zone. There are times it looks like we're in zone, and you're thinking, okay, they're going to drop eight. Next thing you know, there's two guys coming you weren't expecting. And so Zach mixes it up a lot. So I don't have any doubt it, it whatsoever that Arnett will have a game plan capable of shutting down Memphis. They're going to score a little bit. So I don't know if shutting them down is even the right label. I think it's really one of those deals where, uh, you know, you get um, – you, you just want to slow them down. You're not going to shut them down. This, this team is prolific. They're going to be able to put some points on the board. You know, we'll see how things uh, progress. I think the Mississippi State offense, you know, if, if we had a dry track, I would probably feel even better about the offensive prognostications. You know, I, I think with – Weather being a bit of a factor, you know, that, that could be an issue too. And, of course, that means that everybody's going to get on the message boards and, again, oh, well, Rogers this, well, Rogers that. I think Will's going to do a good job. Uh, I think the Memphis pass defense, and it's, it's one of those things too that I kind of laugh about the Memphis posters. It's like 
128 out of 130 is not a matter of opinion. When you were the 128th worst passing defense, and granted it is a small sample size, okay, that they'll, they'll improve from that. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not a matter of opinion. It's math. You've allowed the 128th, or excuse me, the third most passing yards in Division I football. That is not debatable. That is not a situation where I'm just kind of pulling something out of my out of my hat here. It is what it is. We all saw what happened last weekend against Arkansas State. And if you if you didn't have doubts about your defense last week, uh, you might want to check yourself a little bit. Now, I expect them to play better this week because you learn and get better. But at the same time, too, you know, do you think Arkansas State's got better skilled people than Mississippi State? I would say no. And so I think this is this boils down to what Mississippi State does and how well Mississippi State executes. I don't think this is a situation where State can just kind of show up and go through the motions and win the ballgame. I do expect State to win. I think State will cover. I think State will actually win by a couple possessions. You know, let's call it, you know, 31-20, something like that, uh, 31-17. You know, I, I do expect Memphis to score some. I don't think they score a lot. And, again, I think that probably the, the, the weather kind of keeps the offensive explosion down on both sides a bit. So we'll see how things go. But uh, I do expect State to win the ball game and advance to 3-0. And, again, this is a good Memphis team. I expect them to be in a ball game. I think they'll be really good in their league. And, again, no disrespect intended whatsoever for Memphis. But um, there are some of you that are a lot like Southern Miss fans in respect that you've got this incredible inferiority complex that, you know, it's like, oh, if we don't just say glowing things about your team, that we're biased against your team. I mean, just the reality of it is is that, it really should be a rare thing for a G5 team to beat an SEC team. That's not to say that Memphis isn't capable of winning the ball game. They certainly are. But nobody's going to say, oh, yeah, this is how it should happen. You know, it's just like last weekend, you know, where so many people, you know, saying, oh, NC State should run over Mississippi State. Well, why? Well, they look so good against South Florida. Yeah, South Florida won one game last year. And that was against an FCS team. So, What's your other reasoning? Well, you know, Mississippi State didn't look real good against Louisiana Tech. Well, actually, State looked pretty good other than a couple bad plays here and there. You know, you got a pick six here and a couple big plays on defense. You can clean that stuff up. Everybody gets better. And NC State wants to run the football. Did you look at the rushing yards last year against Zach Arnett's defense despite the fact that he had a shoestring roster? Did you look at that stuff? Because football games are about matchups. Football games are about matchups. And teams like Mississippi State that are good against the run – will make you one-dimensional. This is not a great Mississippi State team. I think it could be a really good team. I think it's a solid bowl team. But it's not a great team. You still got some great players, especially on defense. I think that's where your better players are, to be honest with you. And so this game is going to be decided. I don't really think when Mississippi State is on offense. I think it's going to be decided when Memphis is on offense. If Memphis can consistently move the ball and sustain some drives, it's going to be an interesting day. If the Mississippi State defense can get some three and outs, it should be a good day for Mississippi State. But, again, you know, the line on this game is, what, three and a half in favor of State? I mean, I, you know, it's basically a pick em. I mean, honestly, you're, you're talking a one-possession game. So, you know, I think it's just one of those deals where we got to go up there and play well, and as long as we do, we're going to win. If we go down there and don't play well – and they do, well, it's going to be a frustrating weekend on the message boards. Social media is not going to be any fun. I just don't think it's going to happen, though. I think State will find a way to win this game. 
All right, let's look around the league. New Mexico at A&M. You know, you, you saw this about A&M, right? You know, A&M struggled last week against Colorado. I, you know, I, I think even at full steam that A&M is going to uh, struggle against teams that can actually play a little defense. But, um, you know, Haynes King now has the, uh, the broken ankle. Don't know how long he's out, but I tell you, that's a tough injury for a quarterback. Difficult to come back from that in the same year. So Zach Calzada has the um, has the cadence. Completed less than fifty percent of his his pass passes last week. Pardon me. So now you got to figure this thing out. And so this is a good week uh, for Calzada. You know, it's it's kind of a hapless opponent. It's home. You survived a very difficult you know road trip. To Colorado last week, kind of thrown to the Wolves unprepared. He's had the full week of practice with the ones. So I do think they'll be better. I do think this A&M team is overvalued at number seven. And I think they're going to lose some ball games. And I think the fact that you're having to throw your number two quarterback out there, uh, despite what people would try to suggest, is a negative thing. If he was the better quarterback, he would have been starting. But it won't show up this week. I mean, I, I think this is a blowout by, by every stretch of imagination. Again, it's home. I think if I'm A&M, you've got to get Spillers rolling, man. I mean, that's your best player. That's the best player on your roster. The guy is a future pro. You've got to let him be more involved. And you, you get a big lead here, and then you let Calzada just kind of run the show, and you, you rotate some younger guys in later in that ball game, and you save some wear and tear on the starters because it's going to be a long year, and you're going to have to run the football. All right, UT chat at Kentucky. And so, you know, the Kentucky hype will continue for another week. And, again, I give Kentucky credit. You know, they, they got ahead 14-0 on Mizzou. They ended up being a great ball game. Kentucky wins the game, though. And you remember I picked Mizzou to win the game. But give Kentucky credit. And um, they did a good job throwing the ball downfield. It'll be a blowout again this weekend. UT chat at Kentucky. You know, it's one of those games, too. You know, you, they'll probably, you know, second half, it's mainly just letting the kids play. But um, – Again, that'll be an absolute blowout. And there's, there's a lot of games like that. I hate to call them bad games because after, you know, having a reduction in college football last year and all the restrictions we had, I don't know that there are any bad games. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's some, there's some games that are going to be blowouts, going to be lopsided, but I don't know that I will consider any game a bad game anymore. SEMO is at Mizzou. Look for Mizzou to bounce back there. I won't be the least bit surprised, though, if SEMO hangs around for just a little bit. But, again, I like this Missouri team. A little disappointed they didn't win last week. But, uh, again, I still believe they're going to upset somebody in the East. Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. He really, really is. And, uh, you know, it, it all happened so quick. You know, Satterfield leaves, and the next thing you know, Drinkwitz is the guy, and now he's in a Power 5 conference too. So, But I really like him. Really do. Uh, maybe he can hire Scott Satterfield to be his OC. Uh, Tennessee Tech at Tennessee. Tennessee got exposed defensively last week, and I really thought, listen, the quarterback play at Tennessee is horrendous. You got guys running wide open in the secondary, and you're overthrowing them by five and ten yards. It's, you know, that Milton's got to be better. In order for Tennessee to take a step and get ready for SEC play, he has got to connect on those passes. And I don't know if the game is just kind of speeding him up a little bit, and he's an incredible athlete. Does a great job, I and mean, he's got the arm. That's the thing. Is it's not a matter of you know, not being able to get it there, not having the confidence. It's just a matter of touch, just a matter of accuracy, and that's reps. But you got to get better. But it won't matter this week. I mean, Tennessee should just smash Tennessee Tech. I wonder, like, if Ole Miss fans, when they see that name pop up, 
when they just see Tennessee Tech on the SEC football schedule, I wonder if a chill runs down their spines because of losing that baseball region at home a couple years ago to Tennessee Tech. I often wonder those kind of things. You know, because like any time that I see the main Black Bears logo, I just want to vomit. I do. I wonder if they feel the same way. Are they blacked all that stuff out? Tennessee Tech was good. They could swing it. All right, probably the game of the week, Alabama is at Florida. Listen, um, I don't – I think this is actually going to be a close game, but I don't think it's going to be a competitive game. And what I mean by that is, is I think Alabama will get up in the, in the first half and then take control and just kind of manage. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But Dan Mullen always freezes against Alabama. Does he not? You know, the 2017 year was the best year – the best chance we had to beat them – Outside of maybe 14. You know, 14, we go up there and Dak has a has a couple bad series and throws a couple of picks, and he threw them. It wasn't like they disconfused him. He just, you know, he was off target. We should have beat him at their place in 14. We absolutely should have. But we certainly should have beat him in 17 here, and we blew it. And Dan Mullen is a big reason why, because he got so conservative in the fourth quarter. We started playing not to lose. We ended up losing the ball game. So I expect that to continue. And I think Alabama, I think Nick Saban just kind of has Dan Mullen's number. Now, Dan will have some wrinkles and they'll run some things, try to get the crowd involved. It's a tough ticket to get. Number one, Alabama coming in. I like Alabama. Again, I think it's a close game, but I think it's a game where Alabama's probably in control for the final three quarters. It'll be interesting. That game will be going on uh, around the same time that we're playing. So we won't get a chance to watch that. Maybe a good DVR opportunity. All right, Georgia Southern is at Arkansas. Arkansas surprised me a little bit last week. You know, and maybe Texas surprised me. Maybe Texas surprised me because of the fact that they're they're not where we think they should be. But take nothing away from Arkansas. They dominated the, the, the football game. Absolutely did. And they ran at will. You kind of like to see that. And it, with Sam Pittman being an offensive line guy, you know, you know he wants to have that physical offense where they kind of control the line of scrimmage, just kind of pound people. I think that's what you saw last week. And I thought Texas looked really soft against Arkansas. I thought Arkansas was the more physical team, especially late. I thought they really wore Texas down. And so this week will be uh, another week for Arkansas. You know, Georgia Southern coming in. I do think this – I don't think this will be – I think it will be a blowout. But I, th- I think Arkansas will manage a game a little differently, probably just, you know, get some younger guys some reps in that second half. That's one of the reasons you play these games. But uh, – you know, Georgia Southern likes to run the football a lot, so this could be – they could probably shorten the game a little bit, probably manage to score a little bit better. But, again, I like Arkansas big in this thing. I, I don't think it's a, you know, 56-10 type ball game, but uh, but it could be. You know, it absolutely could be. I think Arkansas is feeling it right now. They're ranked 20th in the country. I think a lot of people believe Sam Pittman's making a lot of people look really foolish. I know when, when they hired him, I think everybody's like, what? They hired, what? They hired Georgia's O-line coach. You kidding me? Well, they did. You know, and Sam and him had some struggles down the stretch, but a lot of that was kind of related to COVID. It wasn't necessarily a reflection of Sam Pittman. They had a lot of issues on the roster down the stretch. Well, now that everybody's healthy, they've had a complete offseason. Arkansas looks pretty good. South Carolina at Georgia. You know, Georgia's got to figure this quarterback thing out, but I don't think you can go wrong either way. You know, South Carolina got behind last week. The East Carolina had to dig themselves out of the hole, and they did. So the fighting Shane Beamers are now 2-0. and well, that'll change this week. They got to go to Athens and play between the hedges. But uh, Georgia, top-ranked defense in the country, and I don't know that South Carolina's ready for that. 
you're 2-0 and and you've got some confidence, but listen, Georgia's a different animal. I mean, Georgia could win the whole thing this year. I've got them winning the SEC. Well, then we'll kind of see how the uh, the playoff thing looks out. I, I think Georgia wins the conference. I think they win big this week. Georgia got the offense going last week. Of course, you know, 10, was it 10 to 7 winners or 10 3 winners um, against Clemson? It was a low scoring game. They put up some points last week. And yeah, I thought UAB might hang around for maybe a quarter and a half. No, no chance of that. Georgia absolutely rolls over them. I think it's going to be a lot closer to UAB than it is to uh, Clemson for South Carolina this week. I think Georgia will get after them pretty good. And, and South Carolina fans will hate to lose, but uh, they get it. They understand it's a rebuild. And nobody really expects them to go compete with Georgia. But uh, you got to like the fact that Shane Beamer's team's got some moxie about them. They didn't quit last week. I mean, and that's one of the things that happens when you have guys that are from a culture that is, that is used to losing. The next thing you know, they get behind in a ball game. And they start feeling like, well, here we go again. So credit Shane Beamer and the staff for kind of keeping those guys uh, engaged and they find a way to win that ball game. Uh, Auburn at Penn State, another great game here. And as I said in the Jeans Page article, I just don't know how good Auburn is. I mean, there's just no way to really gauge it at this point. They have played absolutely nobody. And now they're going to go on the road and play the number 10 Penn State. I don't know how good Penn State is. But I know James Franklin is a great motivator. I know that he will have that team ready to go. I know it'll be a great atmosphere. Penn State, that's one of those That's one of those venues before I die I want to go visit. You know, I want to go see a game at Penn State. I'd love to see Mississippi State play at Penn State. But even if that doesn't happen, I'd love to be able to go up there when they do the whiteout, you know, and just kind of enjoy Happy Valley. I'd love to be able to go. When I was a younger kid, Penn State was my, my second favorite team. Used to have a Penn State jersey. Like Todd Blackwich. Like those guys a lot. But uh, here's the deal. I just don't know what we know for sure about Auburn. They have scored a lot. I don't think they're going to score a lot this week. I think, I think Penn State finds a way to win this game. But if Auburn does win it, what a huge, huge win for the Tigers. I'll be surprised if it happens, though. But I do think Auburn offensively is rejuvenated. I think they believe in the scheme. And I think they've had a, a, you know, a couple of dress rehearsals to kind of work out the kinks. And then we'll kind of see how things uh, kind of move forward from there. But I do like Penn State. Now, Central Michigan at LSU. You know, there's a couple things that I want to say about this ballgame. Number one, LSU has not looked good in either of their first two games, even in the McNeese State game. Remember it was 17-0 in the third quarter? You know, I don't know if maybe Ed's just trying to, you know, play it close to the vest or whatever. But, uh, listen, if they do that against Central Michigan this week, they're going to get beat. And you say, well, Steve, you know, Central Michigan – one-on-one team. Yeah, they lost at Mizzou 34-24 to open the year. They won last week against Robert Morris, you know, but it's, you know, it's a 45-nothing deal. Now, what's interesting, too, is uh, Jim McElwain wasn't with them when they went to Missouri. Now, Jim McElwain's the head coach of Central Michigan, and then Jackson Sermon is a the quarterback there. You know, and so this is a guy that knows, uh, knows how to get things moving. This is an offensive-minded coach that's done some big things in his career. So, I don't know how much we really know about Central Michigan yet, but I, I believe they're capable of going in there and at least making LSU uncomfortable. You know, we'll see how things go. But uh, I won't be the least bit surprised if we look up at halftime and, you know, Central Michigan's within a score. And then the LSU fans are losing their minds over on the message boards and on social media. I don't think this is a really good LSU team. 
I think they're a good team because of their athleticism and because of their recruiting rankings, because they've gone out and recruited some really good players. I, don't, I think they're, they have a lot of individual talent. I don't know collectively what kind of team this is. And I think that's the thing we kind of look at as we move forward is what's going to happen to this team once you get into SEC play. You, they've got some offensive skill. You'd like to think that they could piece some things together, but I won't be the least bit surprised if Central Michigan really makes a game of this thing. Two lanes at Ole Miss, that may be the most enter- entertaining game of the weekend. I mean, honestly, if, if like especially if, if you're not emotionally invested in the outcome, and I know most Mississippi State people are, you're pulling hard for Tulane. But if you just want to watch an, an, a fun game, this is probably the one because I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. You know, Ole Miss has been pretty prolific offensively, as expected, and that's kind of been the case you know, no matter who the head coach has been the last few years. But here's the deal. You know, Tulane went to Oklahoma in week one and nearly pulled off the upset, upset against the number two team in America. They will not be intimidated going into Oxford, nor should they be. You know, the, the Oklahoma defense – a lot better than the, the Ole Miss defense. I'm sure Tulane's probably thinking we can get this one. Tulane put up 69 points last week. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, Morgan State. But it's 69-20. That, that didn't really impress me. But, but going on the road to Norman and putting up 35, yeah, I think that's pretty significant. That's a, that's a night game, so it's ESPN2. You got a chance to get home, probably watch that after you watch your Bulldogs play. I think Ole Miss wins the game just because I think in the end they've got a little more offensive skill. But I think Tulane is going to make this thing entertaining. I mean, this could be, you know, a you know, 38-35, 45-35 type game. I, mean, I, I think it's going to be a blast, especially if Tulane wins. But, but I do think Ole Miss will have just enough. I, I think being at home, being, you know, kind of like the Mississippi State-Memphis thing, even though I think Tulane's probably better than Memphis. But similar situation. I think in the end Ole Miss will find a way to out-athlete Tulane. But if you're Ole Miss, you can't let them hang around because you know what happens with your defense. Your defense is going to lay down. It's what they do. It's all they've known. Oh, we went out and got this grad transfer. Great. Great. He won't change the culture. The culture will change him. And so I, I think, again, I expect Tulane to make a game of this. And, but, again, I think Ole Miss moves on to 3-0. I think most people expect that. I think there are a lot of Mississippi State people that are kind of hoping that's not the case. But I think, if, you know, if all things being equal, you look at this and say, you know what, Ole Miss is the better team, and they should win at home. Stanford at Vanderbilt. You know, Vandy got a win last week. Congratulations to them. They're first uh, since 2019. And it took a last-second field goal, but they did it. They figured it out. They made it happen. They're, they're going to host the Stanford Cardinal. And it's kind of interesting, too. Shouldn't they play every year? You know, wouldn't you like to see this become a rivalry? And what's so wild about Stanford is, like, I, I, who are they? They lose 24-7 to at home to Kansas State and turn around the next week and just destroy USC in the Coliseum 42-28. And the game was really never in doubt. They're going to beat Vanderbilt well. Then they got to run and, and host UCLA. You know, so, you know, Stanford's got an interesting little hoe to roll here. But, uh, you know, you just never know which team's going to show up. But uh, if, you know, against Vanderbilt, I mean, listen, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt shouldn't be able to run with those guys. And so, I think at the end of the day, Stanford wins the game handily. See, so here are your winners this week. 
Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Penn State, LSU, Ole Miss, and Stanford. So there you go. That's kind of how I see it. You may disagree, and that's okay. I've missed a couple this year already. You know, a lot of these toss-up games sometimes kind of that's that kind of determines kind of who how the cow eats the cabbage, right? Yeah, you know, is Florida capable of beating Alabama? I don't think so. You know, it's like we look at these games and you think, you know, could Auburn go in and beat Penn State? I don't expect it, but you know, there's a part of me that says, yeah, that could happen. I just don't think Florida and Dan Mullen can beat Alabama, even in the swamp with 100,000 people. And they're all wearing orange. I, I, I just think, I think, number one, Nick Saban coaches his team for these moments to go on the road and make people be quiet. And I think Dan Mullen is a guy that, um, you know, I think in, in the bright lights, he tenses up for some reason against Saban. It didn't always be that way. It's not always like that. I mean, you know, he beat Georgia when he was here, beat Tennessee, you know, beat Michigan. And you can say, well, Steve, is weren't great teams. And, you know, well, they still count. But the reality of it is, is for some reason, Nick Saban just kind of has Dan Mullen's number. And there have been some ugly, I mean some ugly losses in the Dan Mullen-Nick Saban head-to-head matchups over the years. I don't think this is going to be one of them. But I just, you know, I may be completely wrong come Sunday, but I just don't think Florida can beat Alabama without a lot of help from Alabama. And I know they're number one versus number 11. And I know Florida really made it interesting in the SEC championship game last year, and I think that's part of the motivation for Nick Saban. He's like, you know what, hey, we can't take these guys for granted. Look at what happened last year. And we could put those guys in Atlanta. Next thing you know, we're fighting for our lives. And so I think that actually will give Florida some confidence, but it'll also give Alabama some focus. But again, I think it's, you know, it's one of those weeks you look at and you say, ah, we know things ought to go to script. That's a great thing about college football. We just never know from week to week who's going to do what. Let's look at a couple things here real quick before we move on to the top 10 list. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, 
You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I look at some of these stat leaders around the SEC. There are a couple things of note from Mississippi State folks. Granted, we are two weeks into the season. Okay, so there is a very small sample size here, so let's not just kind of we're not handing anybody the Heisman Trophy today. So, Will Rogers leads the SEC in passing 664 yards. And, of course, there are some Mississippi State fans out there that want to tear it down. So, well, yeah, he's got more passing attempts. Than Macron. So what? It is what it is. It's math, not magic. As of now, 664 yards. It may be different tomorrow. You know, because I think Matt Corral's probably going to throw for about 400 against Tulane. Will Rogers might throw for 400 as well. Bryce Young, 571 yards. And then Connor Bazelik, I think, is the guy from Kentucky, from uh, Missouri. Like him a lot. I think he's the most underappreciated quarterback in the league. I guess quietly off to a good start to the season. But there you go. Uh, your current SEC passing leader, Matt, excuse me, Will Rogers. Matt Corral right there with him, just two yards, separate him. Uh, rushing, you know, we're not anywhere near that, right? We don't even have anybody – anywhere close and the rushing uh statistics here chris rodriguez from kentucky leads a league with 331 yards a game tyler Beatty from mizzou who's a stud is second and then auburn has uh back-to-back jarquez hunter remember him from the showba central as a as a freshman at auburn remember that guy number three rusher in the sec right now 257 yards as a freshman. It's crazy to think about that. His name's, you know, K.J. Jefferson, number seven uh, in the conference, former North Panola standout there. So, you know, some Mississippi guys out there doing some things. It'd be great if we could have kept all those guys in state. But um, 
Uh, leading receiver in the league is Dontario Drummond from Ole Miss. Another, another Mississippi guy from Laurel, 284 yards. Wondell Robinson, we talked about Josh Ali being the only really proven wide receiver at Kentucky. Wondell Robinson off to big start, 10 grabs, 226 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, Kayshawn Booty, number four, we've talked about him. LSU's been really high on him for a while. I think he's probably the next big thing. you got to get all the way down to number 15 before you find a bulldog on the, on the receiving statistics. And that's really a byproduct of us spreading the ball out so much. Uh, Jaden Wiley, 108 yards receiving on nine grabs. So there you go. You get a little – Austin Williams is right there at 16. Eight grabs, 105 yards. Makai Polk right there tied for 21. we got a lot of guys in the top 25, but um, haven't had that, that that breakout game yet. You know, we need – you know, we hadn't had that one guy. You know, Makai Polk had 10 catches against Tech, but we hadn't had the guy to really go out there and put up the big, you know, 100-plus receiving yard game yet. So we'll see how that goes. Look at some other numbers here. We'll do this kind of routinely. Maybe on Friday it's a good time for us to kind of take inventory. But um, looking at some uh, defensive numbers here, there's a few guys in the league that are off to a really big start when it comes to uh, pass rush. You know, we've got a couple guys out there doing a pretty good job. But remember, we didn't record an official sack in week, week one, so we're not going to be among the league leaders here. But uh, LSU – Got a couple guys there in the top three, Andre Anthony and Mason Smith. Not a big surprise. Mason Smith, that guy's going to be a future NFL guy. I think we all know that. But Andre Anthony with four sacks and then uh, 29 uh, yards off those sacks. So those are not insignificant plays by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Florida defensive lineman Zach Carter off to a good start, too, with three sacks down there. So a handful of guys out there. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, State's got – you know, four guys with one. Randy Charlton, Aaron Brule, Jaden Crumity, Aaron Odom. Kind of spreading the love. Uh, we hadn't had our hands on a lot of picks, but the SEC leaders at this point have two. Two. So, whoever we have that has them, including Jalen Green, is tied for second in the league. Again, small sample size here. But Leon O'Neill from Texas A&M got a couple picks, tied with Jalen Catalan and Jalen Carlisles of, uh, of Mizzou. So, again, that'll all kind of come into focus in the weeks ahead. Now, looking at tackles, Bumper Pool. That's right, Bumper Pool from Arkansas. 24 tackles leads the SEC. Four solos. Most of those are gang tackles. But uh, that's a guy that's always been around in football. He's been around for a long time, too. And we all know that because everybody remembers that name. It's so unique. But getting down the list here, your leading Bulldog tackler, Fred Peters. 15 tackles. Emmanuel Forbes, a corner, is second on the team and 10th in the SEC with 14. Jed Johnson, largely a reserve for Mississippi State, got a lot of playing time last week when Nathaniel Watson went down. 13 tackles. He's 11th in the conference. You don't think Zach Arnett can coach a little football? How about that? Nate Watson tied for 12th with 12 tackles. So, you know, we got some guys out there making plays. Aaron Brule with 11, kind of quietly – Quietly kind of putting that together, you know. So, we'll kind of see how things progress there with, uh, with him. But I um, you know, feel really good about this team's ability to tackle. I feel good about this ability's uh, team to rally to the football. So, you know, I, again, I think a team like Memphis is very different than what you've seen. And so, there will be some adjustment. Film study will be a big part of this thing. But um, 
you know, I like the chances for State to go win the ball game. And I, I think, again, because of, you know, Memphis runs a ton of plays. And that they want to dink in, dunk in, dink in, dunk in, and then all of a sudden they lure the safeties up and, and they go over the top. That's what they want to do. Again, I like this Memphis team. My feelings are not hurt that some people think I don't. I, I, I just I don't worry about that kind of stuff. It just doesn't bother me. But um, it is interesting, to say the least. All right, looking at the uh, offensive numbers, uh, Mississippi State actually towards the bottom offensively. 751 yards is good for 12 in the SEC. Florida leading the SEC with 1,219 yards of offense. Ole Miss right there at second, just under 1,200 yards. Then Auburn, Kentucky. And, again, some of this has got to do, too. And I've had this discussion with some friends here as of late. You know, Ole Miss has put up some big numbers. But who has better wins between State and Ole Miss? Well, I would have to say it's Mississippi State. Louisiana Tech been in seven straight bowl games. NC State, six of the last seven. The one year with the outlier was 2019 when Dave Dorian and that staff had a ton of injuries. You know, then Ole Miss has beat, you know, Austin P and a, a kind of a hapless Louisville team. But it'll all come out in the wash. You know what I'm saying? I mean, again, it's, it's early in the year. It'd be nice when we get a chance to go play an FCS team. Maybe it's good to have Tennessee State late just for that very reason. But, um, again, you know, early in the year, but you're starting to see some teams kind of, you know, some stars, I guess, in many respects, kind of beginning to, uh, to emerge. In case you've forgotten Charles Cross, the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week last week. And it's amazing, the week before, many of our fans are ready to run him off. Um, and many of them didn't understand, too, that some of the, uh, the issues with that twist had to do with the guard not engaging and allowing Charles to get the looper as the guy kind of looped around and stunned around the edge there. Uh, but it's a team game. It's a team concept. you got to figure that pass protection thing out. They did a much better job last week, and then Charles Cross, SEC lineman of the week. Didn't give up pressure last week. Interesting, too, uh, I went, attended the uh, – excuse me, attended. I, I watched the – Memphis Monday presser. They talked a little bit about pass rush, you know, and, and uh, you kind of got the sense that they dropped eight a lot against Arkansas State. And Ryan said, you know, hey, yeah, pass rush is a priority, but it's got to be kind of in conjunction with what we're trying to do defensively. And so if you bring a lot of pressure, that means that you're going to usually have to go man coverage. And so if they're going to bring five and sometimes even four, um, somebody's going to be open. And so, if you're doing all out blitz, you're going to leave your guys on an island. And that's one thing that Will Rogers and Mike Leach have been able to do at Mississippi State. It's when teams go man, we generally make them pay. I don't think that we're going to see hardly any man-to-man coverage this weekend. I, I don't. Now, it could be a good game for Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. And, and that's the thing. Week one, I thought Marks was outstanding. Week two, I thought DJ was. And that's really exciting that both of those guys can get out there and play at a high level. And, and, and back-to-back weeks. Now let's put it all together this week and go win a ball game. And, again, this is you know far from a foregone conclusion that Mississippi State's going to win the game. But I think both of those guys have to be a big part of this thing, whether it be running the football, catching the football. Those two back sets, I think, kind of cause some people uh, some pause. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say even the fade route to Heath was in a two-back set. And so, you know, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you get man coverage outside and – you make some plays, and that's exactly what happened there. So, again, it'll be interesting to see how they try to defense Mississippi State, but it's one of those things, too, if you sit in the same defense for long enough, Mike Leach will pick, pick you apart. you got to make some things up. You know, we saw some of that last week with NC State. You know, they did try to 
disguised some coverages. Many times it looked they were in man, they were actually in zone. So th- there will be some of that this week too. I don't think there's any question. Let's get to today's top ten list. I guess before we do, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you guys too, you got a chance to win a million bucks. I wouldn't be your friend if I didn't tell you about that. You got a chance with DraftKings to get a shot at a million bucks. How cool is that? It's time to celebrate. NFL football is here. I know you guys are excited about Dak Prescott, seeing him play again this week. Maybe it's time to put your money where your mouth is. DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. It's putting you in the center of this weekend's action. New customers get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit by signing up and using promo code BONEYARD. Getting in on the action very, very soon. It's simple. You pick your lineup, stay under a salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against competition. Fill the NFL action like never before because every game matters, and you get a free shot at a million-dollar payday. That's cool. That's life-changing money. How about that? Download the DraftKings app right now, and promo code BONEYARD is your way to unlock that opportunity. This week, new customers get that free shot at a million dollars. And you can compete for million dollars in prizes across all contests. Enter code BONEYARD to get that free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code BONEYARD only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the National Football League. A minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for further details. All right. I've told you guys before, I enjoy doing these top 10 lists. And so... When I had a chance to partner up with, uh, with Blair Chandler, Blair said, hey, I'd love to sponsor the top ten list. I'm a big music guy, too, and so we've been able to kind of do that. Now, because of the fact that I had a late night last night, I didn't put the list together. Roy did. I'm not a big country music guy either, but uh, Roy has a friend that is a super fan of the show, of Mississippi State, and of the artists that we're about to discuss. And again, brought to you by the good folks at Close with Blair Dot com. Visit Close of Blair, that's B-L-A-I-R, CloseofBlair.com, for your mortgage needs. You, you want to partner with winners? That's what I do, and that's why I picked Blair Chandler. Guy's been my friend a long time. 21 years in the mortgage industry. If you are looking for an opportunity to buy a home, refinance your current home, or perhaps get a home equity line of credit, there's not a loan out there that uh, Blair's unfamiliar with. Many of you have thought, you know what, the dream of home ownership is elusive for me. And I don't know that I can do it, Steve. I just got to rent and rent and rent and rent and rent and waste my money. Well, give Blair a chance because even if he can't get you approved now, perhaps he can get you in a position to get you approved later. There's no point throwing your money away. Visit CloseToBlair.com and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, if you just mention Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's right. That's about a $300 value. For more information... Give Blair a call. I'm going to give you his personal cell number. This isn't just some number you you call and leave a message at some office and nobody gets back to you. This is Blair Chandler. You can text him or you can call him. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And, of course, Blair's a Bulldog. And I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever you can. I think we should try to keep it in the family as best we can. Closewithblair.com. All right, top ten list today. And, again, Roy put this list together. And I want to thank you guys, too. So much feedback about the first favorites. I had a lot of people reach out about the, the most recent list, about you know the newer bands. I had a lot of people that shared, hey, Steve, listen to so-and-so. Or can you do a top ten from this band? And a lot of these bands don't have ten songs out that we could do a top ten with yet. But a lot of people enjoyed the new rock list. I had people say, you know what, Steve, I had never heard of a lot of these bands. I put the, the Spotify list on. I was excited. 
and you should be. That's one of the great things about this uh, exercise with the top 10 list is we get so many people that uh, we can represent on the music side of things and we can kind of share the joy of music. So again, Roy, because Roy's a friend, Roy felt bad that I was going to be up to the wee hours of the morning. He goes, hey, let me put a list together for you. Let me help out a little bit. So we're going with Eric Church today. Eric Church. He sounds a little bit, and I listen to most of these today. I don't just want to just throw a list out there without at least taking the gander. Sounds a little bit like kind of a poor man's Keith Urban. And I like Keith Urban a lot. I really do. I don't know. If, if we haven't done Keith, maybe we should do Keith. I think we've done it, but I don't know that we have. Maybe Roy can check that, and it, maybe we'll do uh, Keith Urban here in the weeks to come. But here is the Eric Church list. And again, I want to thank Roy for putting these things together. So we're going to go Talladega at number 10. I actually like that song a lot. And a lot of these Eric Church songs, too, are not just the old uh, drinking and partying and stuff. There's a lot of that, too. But a lot of it's about relationships and failed relationships, about who you love. But Talladega is a good one. Smoke a Little Smoke, that's number two. Excuse me, number nine on the list. Smoke a Little Smoke. You can check that one out. Hell of a View is another one of these uh, relationship songs. I really like that one, too. Listen to that before we did the show. You know toes off the ledge that sort of stuff you know it's just kind of about taking a chance on love and on another person and not really listening to other people and here we are at the top it's a hell of a view it's a good track uh mr misunderstood that's off the that's the title track off that album mr misunderstood well i think at some point every guy's felt that way even despite our best of intentions sometimes we are misunderstood uh, a song about nostalgic, kind of looking back at uh, lost loves, whatever, those I've loved. I kind of feel the same way, too. I just, you know, I don't harbor any ill will or resentment against anybody that shared the path for a while. It didn't work out. Probably worked out for the best. But I know it did for me. Uh, next on the list, These Boots. I guess that's going to be number five on your list, These Boots. Sinners Like Me is the title of that album. Listen to a couple tracks off that one, and... Uh, there's a little more guitar on that one, I guess. Again, just a good old Southern song. Number four on the list is Drink In My Hand off the album Chief. There's not a lot of party tracks on this one. That's one of them. But, um, yeah, I don't drink anymore. I don't, know if, I don't know if I've ever told you that. I don't drink, do drugs anymore. I did enough for all of us back in the early 90s. All right, number three, some of it off the Desperate Man album. Some of it, another good track. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say. I don't know who all does the writing for Eric Church. I don't know if he does it all himself or he has a team of writers or a couple of writing partners. That's one thing I respect about Hardy is he writes his own stuff, and he does have a couple guys that work with him, but it's it's his stuff. But this, some of it is is a good one. This is one that you know you, you listen to the writing and think this is actually you know, pretty clever. Uh, number two on the list is Record Year. This is not necessarily a song about optimism. Yeah, there's a lot that goes wrong uh, in the lyrics to this track. But uh, check that one out. Record year also off the Mr. Misunderstood album. But number one on the list, according to Roy, is Springsteen. And again, it's another, you know, it's a song about, you know, basically teen romance and things like that. So there you go. That's your top ten Eric Church list. And again, it's not my list. It's Roy's list. So if it's wrong, you can complain to him. Roy is on Twitter, Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G. M-A-T-I-C, Dogmatic67. You can find the list on Spotify by searching for Roy. A lot of you guys do, and you go up down there and you say, hey, you've never done this one. Uh, 
follow Roy on Spotify, follow him on Twitter, and he can kind of keep you up to date. I want to thank our friend Izzy Maldebaum, too, that's done such a good job for us putting these out there, these playlists on, uh, on iTunes. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out let me know. And uh, I've got a couple things. I had a couple people reach out and ask about some bands that I don't know if we can put a top ten together, but uh, we could probably work them in in one way or another. And so, again, I appreciate you guys reaching out and kind of sharing your thoughts uh, on the top ten list. And uh, a lot of support, man. I mean, every so often I get a message, hey, Steve, I wish you could put top ten list in the show so I'd have to listen to it. But, you know, then you wouldn't get the wonderful gift of music right that's the bigger part of this right is it's it's nice to be able to have people turn you on to new tunes i love finding new bands and while i'm talking about that there is a new southern rock band out of rome georgia that i really really dig and uh, my buddy blake d's turned me on to them it's a band called the georgia thunderbolts their new album is about to drop now they've got an ep out right now great track on there called lend a hand it is really really dope they have kind of a Black Crows feel to them because they've got a little bit of a rock influence. But the Georgia Thunderbolt. So if you're looking for a new Southern rock band, if you dig Southern rock, give those guys a listen. It's the Georgia Thunderbolts. Really dig those guys a lot. I think I'm eager to hear the rest of the album. I'm really, really excited about this. And uh, I had the EP, and then there's a few new tracks, a couple new tracks have been released on the full album. And, of course, most of the songs from the EP are going to be on the, the full album. But... Uh, they're with Mascot Records. It's also the same label that has a Blackstone Cherry and Shaman's Harvest. And I want to say they've even got Monster Truck. If you don't know Monster Truck, you should. One of my favorite tracks off their catalog is a song called uh, Nobody's Gonna Tell Me How to Live. Love that, man. It's like Southern Rock from Canada. But go check them out. That's with Mascot Records, the Georgia Thunderbolts. Next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. Stand and man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody involved will do a good job for you because they love you. They'll treat you like family because in their minds you are family. And they're family to me. Be signing a lot with them here in the holiday season. Looking forward to that. Was hoping to get out and do a bunch of uh, game day signings uh, later in November. You just don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, even if I'm not there, it's worth your time to go by and check them out. A lot of smiling faces, a lot of great Mississippi State merch in there. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, again, we're saving you money. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. You heard that right. BSR, Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any orders less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Mom, let me tell you this, it's starting to turn cool. Maybe you've noticed. It's time to get those kids some NAFL championship or some Bulldog hoodies. Get it done. You'll be glad you did. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Now, if you follow me on social media, you've noticed here in the last couple of weeks, I've been doing some articles uh, you know, for the M Club. The Hall of Fame gala is coming up, and uh, it, man, it's been so much fun to talk to former players. You know, I had a chance to talk to Billy Jackson, Bobby Thigpen, uh, many others. It's been wonderful. And I uh, had a chance to reconnect with Diggy in the left field lounge earlier this year, talk a little bit about baseball. And uh, that article is up today on jeanspage.com. But I want to tell you, you know, if you uh, are interested in that, I know many of you have thought, you know, I love Mississippi State. I don't get a chance to get out and go do a lot of stuff. Listen, next Friday, that's again, we, you know, we're going to be getting ready to play a football game here, but it's next Friday, a week from today. 
we're going to have the 2020 and 2021 Hall of Fame Gala in the Humphrey Coliseum. We didn't get to do it last year because of COVID stuff, but cocktails and hors d'oeuvres will begin at 5.30. The program begins at 7, and they're asking you to wear business attire, okay? So don't show up and, you know, you know, T-shirt, pair of cut-off blue jean shorts, flip-flops. I mean, you know, we're trying to be dignified here. And so there are going to be people making uh, nominations soon for uh, next year's class. But this year's the 2020 and 2021 group are all going to go in together. And uh, it's worth your time and effort to go check it out. You can visit the MSU Bulldog Club. And, again, that's msubulldog.com, you know, for more information. And uh, there are a lot of great names a lot of great names in our Hall of Fame. And I think sometimes we don't always fully appreciate that. And, and that's one of the reasons I started doing the uh, the final segment of the show at Portico. But let me encourage you, if you're going to be in the area, make plans to come be a part of that. And you can, there's a ticket information here. Let me give you what we can here, just so you guys know. Um, it's probably too late for some of this because we're a week away, but you can be a Bulldog sponsor for a thousand bucks and you get recognition of the event signage and special recognition on the website. You get eight tickets for that. Uh, a ticket to the gala is 100 bucks a piece. So even if you don't want to be a sponsor, but you just want to come be a part of that, it's 100 bucks. M Club member, if you're a member of the M Club, your tickets are only 50 bucks. That's it. Must be eligible. Must be a you know, dues-paying member of the M Club. And uh, price reserved for a member and one guest. So there will not be physical tickets. Access to the event will be protected at the door. There'll be a list there, uh, and for all about who's paid, and you retain your receipt for your records. But it's uh, not required to get in. So you can get more information again msubulldogclub.com, and that's going to be a great event. And um, you know, I, I got an article coming up early next week with uh, Charles Weatherly, and, and Charlie's a guy that has uh, has basically dedicated his life to Mississippi State athletics. And uh, it's interesting, you know, he's from Ripley, Mississippi. But he made the move to Starkville. It had been his dream to play football at Mississippi State. You know, his dad came to Mississippi State, had all these great stories about being here and the experiences he had. And so, you know, like a lot of us, you know, he was raised in a Mississippi State family. And so when given the opportunity, there was no decision to make. He was coming to Mississippi State, and he had a chance to play football here, uh, was part of some good teams that did some some interesting things. They kind of laid the foundation for some better years. You know, Darrell Royal was the coach for a couple of years, and then – you know, Wade Walker, but, uh, you know, our better days were ahead. And I have so much respect for those people that came to Mississippi State. And, um, you know, when there wasn't necessarily, you know, a lot of um, optimism about winning seasons, you know, but, you know, Charlie grew up, you know, listening on the radio to guys like Shorty McWilliams and Harper Davis and Art Davis and Eagle Motlich and people like that, that uh, we don't normally talk about a lot, you know, a lot of it, you know, these guys are kind of aging out a little bit. And so it's so much fun to be able to talk to them. And especially a guy like Charlie Weatherly, he'll sit there and just tell you. He goes, man, it was, the, it was one of the highlights of my life. The first time that I slipped on that Mississippi State jersey. You know, he had grown up his whole life hearing about Mississippi State and to be able to go out there and represent his family and his community as part of a football program. And he took that privilege to heart. And that's one of those things, too, in this day of entitlement, and there's a lot of young people out there, and I'm not going to paint them all with a broad brush, but a lot of people out there that, you know, feel like perhaps Mississippi State owes them something. You know, oh, well, you know, they didn't offer me. Well, maybe we didn't offer you because you didn't fit the scheme, right? We didn't offer you because you weren't quite good enough. But, you know, we've had some guys that have come through here that, that saw the opportunity to put the maroon and white on. It's an incredible privilege. 
And all these years later, these guys are so grateful to be remembered and so grateful to have a chance to talk about their experiences. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. You know, not just because I wanted to document, you know, these great stories for all of us to kind of sit around and talk about at cocktail parties. But, you know, many of our great Bulldog heroes of yesteryear are dying off. And I feel so incredibly privileged to know that I was able to interview Harper Davis before he passed away. To be honest with you, when I began to do my research, I wasn't sure he was still living. And then somebody reached out to me. It was so ironic. I was like, I was researching Harper Davis. And out of the blue, I get a message and somebody says, hey, I wish you would interview Coach Davis for your next book. And it was just one of those things, almost like a God thing, that, you know, it happens. And so the next thing you know, we get connected and I talk to him. And uh, he told me so much about Alan McKean and about, you know, that time in our Mississippi State football history. And we got to capture those stories. You know, when I first began to have these ideas about writing these books, I went and met with Stratton Caritasis, and uh, better known as Strat to you guys. But, uh, you know, I told Strat, I said, we got to get these stories documented before everybody's gone. And there's so many great stories out there that are dead and buried now because nobody had a chance to document them. I've had so many people that have reached out and shared pictures of their grandparents or, you know, and I've used so much of that stuff, but it's just, it's also personal to me because I know what Mississippi State means to me. And I think I know what it means to all you guys too. And what we enjoy today, the foundation for that was built by people that didn't have a lot of success, but came to Mississippi State anyway because of their love for this university. And so I think it's important that we honor those people. And I'm so glad that the Hall of Fame is doing this. And uh, there's so many people involved in that process that uh, do such a great job and one of the things that mississippi state i think we do a great job of is, is honor especially baseball we honor our baseball greats uh i think we do a pretty good job on the football side too but you know we've, we've had a greater history in baseball so maybe it's a little bit easier to do that but even then there are some baseball guys that um you know that we don't really talk about and that's one of the reasons we, we talk about them on this show i'm going to try to kind of stick to the stuff in season as we do this these features kind of moving forward but you know there's just so many players out there that made such great contributions to Mississippi State Athletics that I think the new generation needs to know about. And I have so much fun learning about these people and these stories. And I, people contact me and say, hey, Steve, you know, my grandfather was this guy, and he played with this guy. He had some amazing stories, and they share those stories with me. And true or untrue, I want to know them all. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so much of our history that is kind of lost. There's so much of that that wasn't documented. And a lot of it's because, too, I mean, maybe we, we were the ag school. But we didn't do as good a job with record keeping. And I, I've looked through a lot of those old reflectors, and um, it's amazing. And I wish at one point you know, they would digitize those and put them online like they did the revelry. I go back and look at those old revelries, too, and uh, you know, find some stories in there occasionally. And sometimes you can confirm some things. And let me just say this, too, and, and uh, maybe this sounds a little bit off color, but Guys, uh, college girls have always been attractive. I mean, they, they absolutely have. Like you go back and look, you know, those old, uh, you know, albums from the uh, 50s and 60s, and you're like, man, she looks like somebody else that I know. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible that all that stuff has kind of been preserved. And so my hope at some point is that we can get those reflectors digitized and get them online uh, so you guys and myself can go and kind of re- review them whenever we want to. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Uh, the, again, they did it for the revelry, and I can't imagine it would be more difficult to do it for the reflector. And uh, I've been so grateful to the people 
on campus that have allowed me access to those documents to go and kind of read and get some stories. And I found some some things that were kind of buried and and lost. And uh, I remember when I wrote about wrote about uh, you know our trip to Jackson, the first time we played Ole Miss and Jackson, and I found a letter to the editor of the Reflector, and it was just some kid. You know, it's some kid, and he didn't even have his full name. His initials were P.A.P., and he wrote about riding the train, and how just, just about every Mississippi State student went to that game in Jackson. And we showed up down there, and we had a full military parade funeral for Ole Miss football because Ole Miss's football coach quit earlier in the year. They only played a couple of games. They didn't score in either one. They got absolutely destroyed. And we beat them in Jackson, and uh, we didn't have bleachers back then. You know, we were out there playing at the fairgrounds, and so the fans were on the sidelines. And the game got so unruly that some of our fans wandered onto the field. And so they had to stop the game because we're out there talking trash, bobbing, weaving, all that good stuff. But I thought to myself, when I found that letter, I said, I want to publish this. I want to publish this because there's this record of our first ever Egg Bowl in Jackson, Mississippi, a game that we won. And then the great story of us, you know, having the full military parade funeral for Ole Miss football. And, and somehow, some way, those crazy cadets got a coffin. And they paraded the coffin down Capitol Street with Bully on top. And I said, I've got to capture this for a new generation. And I get chills thinking about it. You know, some 18, 19-year-old kid just wrote a letter about a ball game to the student newspaper, and then we were able to publish it and share that with a new generation. So, Pap, whoever you are, wherever you are, have no clue who you are. You found I could probably research the revelry, maybe find that stuff. Maybe I will. Maybe it'll be a project for me during a bye week or something. Maybe track down the family and make sure they know. It was their loved one that wrote the story and that great account of that great moment in our history. But those things excite me. You know, it's not just the Jake Mangums and the Rafael Palmeros and the Will Clarks. You know, it's the Sammy Ellis's. It's the Buddy Myers. It's the Jimmy Bragans. It's the Alex Grammises. It's the Willie Mitchells. It's the Huey Kreitz. You know, it's, it's all those people that are involved, too, that, you know, we just were born a little bit later. But I'm so grateful to them. You know, for what they did for Mississippi State Athletics. And I think it's important that we kind of move forward. And I think the M Club does such a tremendous job with this. You know, we do a good job of honoring people, especially those that are still living. You know, there's so many people that are involved in, in Mississippi State Athletics that have uh, have done such a great job for us that, um, that you know, it's difficult to get everybody in. But, uh, you know, talking to, you know, Bobby Thigpen and talking to Charlie Weatherly and, and Billy Jackson, you know, Coach Bob Tyler. You know, it's like – and maybe it's one of those things where you feel like those days are beyond you. But all of a sudden you get a phone call and it says, hey, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. It's difficult to describe what that means. You know, just even talking to Bobby Thigpen, you know, he's like, you know, he'll be back for the alumni weekend. And they're coming uh, the weekend of Kentucky, right? So that's the weekend, too, that we are uh, getting the rings for the kids. What a great idea. It's let's, hey, we're going to give them their rings and we're going to honor the team on the field during the Kentucky game. And it's alumni weekend. I don't know who put that together, but that's really smart. And so everybody that's involved, everybody that wants to come back for the alumni weekend, will be able to be a part of that celebration. We do it right. There are a lot of people out there that are awfully critical of Mississippi State, even some of our own fans. They find, they find a way, you know, nothing's ever good enough. And, and listen, 
I felt that way sometimes too. You know, sometimes I thought, you know, why do we have to be small time about certain things? But, you know, with, with, I think with our leadership now, those days have passed us in many respects. And we still got some catching up to do in some things. But, you know, when it comes to baseball and this sort of stuff, you know, we do it right. And I, I've seen some comments too. It's like, um, you know, some people say, oh, you know, we're shortchanging football for baseball. Well, no, not, that's not true. It's not true at all. And I don't know if you, could, if you guys know this, Duty Noble Fields is going to pay for itself in time. It's going to pay for itself. It's not like we, you know, we, we had you know, Dan Mullen write us a check. Hey, Dan, we can't get you your shoes this year, so we're going to go build a baseball stadium. It's not like that. It's not, I never thought in a million years I'd ever read something like that. It's like, well, yeah, we shortchanged football, but at least we got a baseball national championship. I think, man, thank God we have a national championship in baseball. We made a commitment to baseball before everybody else even took baseball seriously. It's one thing you'll read about in Dogpuff, talking with Ron Polk. Guys, the head baseball coach at the University of Kentucky had to sell insurance on the side to feed his family because they didn't pay him enough to coach baseball in the SEC. And that's in the 1970s. We're not talking about in the 30s or 40s. In the 1970s, a guy had to have a second job when he coached baseball at the University of Kentucky. It's crazy you think about that. And you, you go back and you think, well, it, now it makes sense that Kentucky's the only team in the league never go to Omaha because they were never truly committed to baseball. Well, it changed. Mitch Barnhart's done a good job up there. And I hope Nick makes it or we do. I'm, I'm rooting for Nick Mangione. But, yeah, 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 we won an Eiffel Championship in baseball. We're not done either. Speaking of Diamond Dogs, let's talk about Brooks Bryan. Brooks and his crew with Portico, doing a great job, man, trying to make Starkville an even better place to live. And I've told you guys, and you think I'm joking, I'm not. If I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. Just the convenience of campus. You know, because I mean, I, I live out here in the sticks, and so i got to drive to campus, and, you know, sometimes that's kind of a pain. But Portico is 1.1 miles from the Mississippi State campus. You turn off of 82 on a 12, you take the first ride at Pat Station Road, that'll take you across old West Point Road, boom, there you are. It's not far. It's easy to get to. That Walmart neighborhood market's right there just for you. It's wonderful. You don't have to go fight the hustle and bustle at 12. You can go out there and get on the bypass and go around to the big Walmart, go to the movies, whatever you want. Find yourself a two-bedroom, two-bath house up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house right there at Portico. Conveniently located. Wonderful construction. They got that great walking trail out there. Phase one is done, and I believe, I think last I heard it was one house left. It may be gone now. Maybe you need to call Brooks and check that out. If you're not ready to move yet, maybe you're thinking, you know what, hey, we're going to get through the school year and we're going to move next year. I'm retiring in December. Or maybe you just want to get a second home here. And I'm going to tell you, you guys are going to want to come to baseball games. That's, that's, you might as well get ready. We're going to be really good in baseball for a really long time. Um, so if you want more information about Portico, and you absolutely should, I've been by there a couple times. Some of my friends say, hey, what's that place you're always talking about? Let's go check it out. How about that? You can go see it for yourself. Maybe it's an investment property for you. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your primary residence. Maybe it's an investment property. Brooks can answer all your questions. Again, at 601-416-8075, 601-416-8075. And if you don't have time to write that number down and you want it, you message me. I'm happy to send it to you. I've had a couple people that have done that. Say, Steve, I'm always driving when the show's going on, so I can't write the number down. What's Brooks Bryan's number? While you're on the phone with him, he might even give you some Mississippi State baseball stories. I guarantee you he's got some interesting stories about Brian Weiss, Richard Lee, probably Chris Lauterhouse too. You know, Chris, Chris played at Mississippi State, but Chris is a rebel through and through. 
So I'm sure Brooks has some stories about that. So be sure and, uh, and reach out to him to get more information about Portico. Okay, so our, our Mississippi State legend of the day, you know, we've talked so much you know, early in the week about Rocky Falker and the big comeback against Memphis uh, back in 74. You know, one of the guys that made a play on that final drive, we had to drive 98 yards and like three minutes uh, left to go in the ball game. We had a big play. I believe it was like a third and 20. I think it was like a third and 20 play that uh, Rocky made a completion to Melvin Barkham. And uh, if you watch the video that's out there from uh, MSU Properties today, they talk a little bit about Melvin Barkham, you know, basically having the best vertical leap of his life to haul that thing in. So Melvin Barkham is more than just a guy that made a big catch, though. This guy is very significant not only in Mississippi State history, but in the history of the Southeastern Conference. And so to kind of put things in perspective for you guys, Melvin Barkham was essentially a five-star quarterback at a Gulfport High School. Everybody in the country wanted him. I understand he had over 50 scholarship offers, including Alabama, Notre Dame, many others. But he wanted to stay closer to home. He chose Mississippi State. Now, at the time that he chose Mississippi State, there were not any black quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference despite the fact that many of them had the athletic and, and, and the uh, mental acumen to, to handle a position, nobody was really given the opportunity. Now, there's been a lot of discussion, and, and rightfully so, you know, about Condridge at Tennessee. He was the first. But he narrowly beat out Melvin Barkham to be the first black quarterback in um, SEC history. If memory serves me correct... I think it's really kind of a matter of hours rather than days or years. I think it's really just a matter of hours. And of course, Mississippi State had had Robert Bell and Frank Dowsing here. Of course, uh, you know, Bell from Meridian, Dowsing from Tupelo. And Melvin was a phenomenal player uh, down at Gulfport. But he was the first quarterback. And what's interesting, too, is his roommate was Rocky Felker. And so, and you remember the time in which we're talking about, right? I mean, this is in the early 70s, and, uh, you know, Melvin was part of the uh, consolidation of the schools, I guess the desegregation of the Gulfport schools. And there was a moment there, and I read an article earlier today as I got ready to do some research on Melvin, is that they were having a pep rally. And, of course, the schools had consolidated, and the Gulfport High School brand broke into Dixie. And a lot of the black students, like, you know, did they walked out. And a bef- while before everybody left, there's Melvin Barkham, and Ronnie Cuevas is telling this story, also a bulldog. And Melvin Barkham, at a brand-new school, jumps up on stage and grabs a microphone and asks everybody to stay. Ask everybody to stay to support the football team. They go on to win the ball game, and then Gulfport High School never played Dixie again at a pep rally. And so Melvin was the guy that was bringing change and being a leader very early on. Now, he gets to Mississippi State – Melvin was the quarterback, but eventually lost the job to Rocky Felker. Now, rather than pout and rather than waste him, we put him. We played some time at running back. We ended up moving into receiver. He had a brother, Jerome Barkham, that played for the New York Jets for 12 years as a wide receiver. So it wasn't you know completely unheard of to think that Melvin might play, spend some time at wide receiver. But he was a phenomenal athlete. Didn't do a whole lot uh, statistically wise in his career here. But that really kind of you know, broke a glass ceiling, and he was part of that, too. And it's one of those things you look at, too. It's one of the things that I am very proud of when I look at Mississippi State's history, especially when it comes to civil rights, is that more, more times than not, we've been on the right side of history. 
when it's come to this sort of thing. And I think it's very, very important that uh, we remember guys like Melvin Barkham. And, and sadly, we did lose Melvin a couple of years ago at the age of 63. Passed away, complications from diabetes. And, um, you know, it's very you know, sad, again, to think about some of these great players that are um, that have moved on, that, that not only made an impact at Mississippi State, but on the state of Mississippi. And in the Southeastern Conference, Melvin died back in 2017 on February 27th. It's, uh, again, it's very, very, you know, sad to think about, you know, people that um, had such a profound impact on life are gone so soon. You know, of course, Frank Dowsing uh, died very early. You know, Robert Bell, thankfully, is still with us. But, uh, you know, you begin to think about these things and, like, you know, you know a lot of these stories, you got to go dig for them. And I don't know if that's right. You know, I, I, again, I, I think this stuff needs to be more readily available. That's one of the reasons that I write as much as I do. Because I want to capture this stuff and I want to share it, you know. And again, I mean, think about this for a second. You know, back in the early 70s, you know, and this is after you know, our state has kind of been ripped apart in many respects by the civil rights movement. And you've got Rocky Felker, a coach's kid, white kid, and his roommate, Melvin Barkham, a black kid that's actually more highly recruited than him, and to hear Rocky tell it, the only, the, probably the only disagreement they ever had is about who was going to have the bet on the left and who was have, going to have the bet on the right. So they were great friends. Said Melvin always had a smile on his face. So they always worked together. They were competing against each other, but it was always a friendly competition. And I think a lot of that had to do with Rocky Felker too. You know, I think they were the right two. They were the right two. And if you know anything about Rocky you know that Rocky wants to do what's right. And Rocky's a guy that wants Mississippi State to advance. Now, it's one of the things that Rocky said in one of the articles that I read is that he and Melvin wanted Mississippi State to win. It wasn't about either one of them. They wanted the Bulldogs to win. And so it's incredible to think about you know, that moment in our history. It's just incredible to think that, um, you know, these things have – we've gotten some age on us now, you know, and um, – a lot of these people are kind of moving on. It's, um, it saddens me. It really does. And there are a lot of these people that I wish that I could, um, I would have had a chance to visit with and talk to, to kind of to share their knowledge, not just for myself, but with future generations you know, of, of Bulldogs, to kind of let them share their experiences. And so I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I may not write a book next year. I'll be honest with you. After last night, I need I need some time off. I'm going to enjoy the holidays and I'm going to enjoy uh, the book tour. And I had said, uh, you know, at some point I got to finish this book of recovery. I've lived a lot of years clean and sober, and I've got to eventually share that. And, that, and that's kind of documenting my own story, you know, for my family and, and others. Because I'm not I don't know, again I don't know how long all that's going to last either. And I don't mean the recovery part of it. I mean life. I don't know. None of us know. Which brings me to the last point I wanted to make on today's show is uh, we lost Tyler Threadgill recently. I don't know his politics. I don't know his stance on vaccines. I don't know his stance on social issues. I know that he died far too young. And Tyler Threadgill, of course, the son of former Bulldog great Bruce Threadgill, Tyler comes here. Had a great career for Coach Marcus Wood there at Philadelphia High School. I've known Marcus for a long time. Big fan of his, too. But uh, to the Threadgill family, 
and the extended family, you are in our thoughts and prayers. Tyler passed far too soon, way, way too soon. Now, I'm not going to get into some discussion about viruses and back none of that. Here's all that I know is that one of our own has died way too soon, way too soon. And it saddens me. A tire thread gill guy that obviously that uh, you know we covered in the recruiting process over at jeanspage.com and you know he, he never really found kind of a true position at Mississippi State, played some at wide receiver. But uh, regardless of his contributions at Mississippi State, no matter how significant or how meager they may be, he's one of ours. I shared on Facebook recently, I don't, you know, I don't care who you voted for, I don't I don't care if you've had the shot or not, that that's all your business. But I want you to live. I want you to live, and I want you to have a great life, and I want you to live life more abundantly, and I want you to be able to be with us as we celebrate national championships and great football seasons and baseball seasons to come. So take care of yourself out there. Be smart. Looking forward to getting to Memphis. As you guys know, that ball game is, uh, I guess that's a 3 o'clock kick. It's got a busy day in front of us, but um, we'll look forward to having full coverage for you over at jeanspage.com. And again, Tyler Threadgill, rest in peace. And uh, all those that loved him, our thoughts and prayers are, are with each of you. And that's not to suggest that because somebody played at Mississippi State that their death is more significant. But this is a guy that's part of our family. And, and uh, I remember, I can't remember his name. I wish I could have. I would, I would have put it in the book. But uh, there was a guy on Facebook, and I don't know how well you know your Facebook friends. I don't know many of mine. But there was a guy that uh, he has had cancer for some time. And I'm sure somebody will reach out to me and tell me who it was. But he had had cancer for some time. And he had fought it and fought it and fought it. And uh, he died, I think, two or three days after we got back from Omaha. And he made a post on Facebook before he died. And he said, I'm so glad I got to live long enough to see this. And sometimes we take all that for granted. We just think, you know, well, there's always next year. Well, there's not always next year. And so maybe just because I've lived a life of recovery, maybe I've learned to appreciate the moment a little bit more. But I'm going to celebrate this NAFL championship the rest of my life, and I hope it's not the only one that we get to do. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that we, we're not done winning NAFL championships. But life is precious. Death is certain. And so I'm, I'm a firm believer let's love one another despite all of our differences. That's one thing about sports is sometimes we can kind of unite under a common cause. And you know, kind of put our differences aside for a while. And, and uh, social media sometimes makes me want to pull my hair out. That would be a little more difficult for me to do than many of you. But uh, but at the end of the day, you know, th- these folks that take kind of glee in other people's death and misfortune, it, it, it really saddens me. And so I just think let's be uh, stand-up people in a kneel-down world and, and try to find a way to, uh, to lift each other up. Again, life is short, death is certain. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we will make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.